This is Jackie Rawls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists. The International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists World Congress is on. Shebenik, Croatia, May 2nd through 5th, 2022. www.wcna2022.org. Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, hello, Miss Pierce. How are you today? Oh, now I miss Pierce. <laughs> well, you know, i got to change it up every once in a while. Excuse me, I worked real hard for two letters, then you just bypassed those to the three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, you want to start all over? Hello, I'm Dr. Getting... Pierce. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you, Jeremy? <laughs> you know how I got those two letters? Because Yale said I could have them. <laughs> and a whole lot of money. Oh, yeah. a whole lot of time. I know. I can't even read my uh, darn degree because it's in Latin. I think uh, our guest today translated it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we want to welcome our listeners to the show as well. Here we are live up at mid-year. Oh, loving. And you know this is my most favorite meeting. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to come to D.C. and, you know, you get uh, – Kind of the cream rises to the top here, you know. Oh, does it ever. We have yeah. a lot of students here, and it's been great. Uh, w- they're with the mentoring program that Tracy yeah. Castleman started Absolutely. many years ago. And so you're getting to meet all of these students, and, you know, there's a future AANA president here. Absolutely I just know there it. is. Yeah, might be one in the room. Uh, there could be one yeah, in the room. Yeah, so why don't we introduce our guest? Absolutely. So we have with us today Drew Riddle. Welcome, Drew. Hey, thanks, guys. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. You know, Good. it's interesting you say that about the students. It, because of COVID, this is the first time that any of these students, mm-hmm. no matter where they are in their program right now, have mm-hmm. been together in an AANA meeting. That's true. Oh, I never thought about so, that. You're so right. not only is this their first mid-year, which is 
exciting, but many times in years past, they've, uh, they would have done other things, but mm -hmm. they haven't. This is their first exposure oh. to AANA in-person stuff. Ah, well, it's a good, so, it's a good one. This yeah. is, uh, you know, uh, some of the students that I've talked to, I have told them, listen, when you leave this meeting, you don't need an airplane. You could fly home with your own arms. That's right. <laughs> You're so excited. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That is true. And they get the hobnob with all you guys and mm. the who's who's and the who's maybe not. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to digress right yes, there. Yes, you yeah, are. Yeah, I am. So, Drew, we're going to be talking today about Cochrane, something that, you know, obviously I haven't been very familiar with. But I, the, the general concept behind what we're going to be talking about is I'm going to say proving our worth right. as CRNAs. Um, evidence-based practice. And, um, you know, I find that very interesting because obviously some of your counterparts um, believe that, that maybe CRNAs uh, can't do it as well as they can. So why don't you tell us about Cochrane and a little bit about your background with it? Well, and thanks. about your background in we know Drew. Oh, but that's true. Other I guess we need to let him introduce tell, himself. Tell, yeah. tell all, all of you. Sure. Don't give don't us your give whole everything. CV. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll no, be here nobody, all day. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks Thanks so much for having me and for the invitation. Um, yeah, I'm Drew Riddle. I'm a, I'm a CRNA and uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, primarily uh, in academics. I teach at TCU, Texas Christian University, in the nurse anesthesia program. Been there for 10 years. Still practice clinically as well. Small business owner, I own my own practice as well as contract out to um, uh, my personal services to several different facilities in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But my um, kind of non-anesthesia hat and, and really where I've grown recently in leadership is with the Cochrane Collaboration. And so I think a lot of folks are familiar with Cochrane or maybe have heard the word, but uh, not really understanding what Cochrane is. So thanks for the opportunity to come on and talk about it. Cochrane is um, an international evidence-based practice uh, evidence producer and disseminator. Oh, that's based, a mouthful. I know, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's based in the UK. It was started in the UK. It's a UK non-for-profit. There's over 280 different organizations that collaborate with Cochrane internationally. And um, historically, in the U.S., Cochrane was based, the Cochrane U.S. folks were based at uh, Johns Hopkins in the Bloomberg School of Public Health. And it had been there for years under the leadership of some amazing individuals. And because of career changes and, you know, sort of the normal um, progression of um, business in general, um, the Cochrane Center in the U.S. closed. And so Cochrane really didn't have a... Uh, a really clear presence any longer in the U.S. So we're the biggest producer in this country of evidence in healthcare. We meaning Cochrane. We meaning, no, we meaning the U.S. in oh. general, researchers oh. in general, right? So you look, at, you look at studies that are produced on whatever, it doesn't matter the question, um, the, the majority comes from the United States. Wow, and I don't think I knew that, but it kind of makes it sense. It makes sense, sure. I mean, we've got the funding, we have the resources, we have the people to do the training. That's not to say that other countries sure. don't. But um, the culmination of that research and the production of systematic reviews, which we can talk about, it's kind of nerdy here in a little bit, um, through Cochrane really was, there was not a, a, a clear presence in the U.S. So quite honestly, a few of us got together and decided we needed to have that Cochrane presence in the U.S. I'd been involved with Cochrane for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. And um, so we decided to form a network and we launched the network in uh, 2019 
And now we have 28 different centers, academic, healthcare, research, public policy centers uh, across the United States under the umbrella of Cochrane U.S. Network. And uh, I, I have the honor and privilege of co-chairing uh, that here in the United States. Well, that's huge. Now, define who we are right. and um, who was the generator amongst this. Give us some, give us some teeth to this. Sure. So um, the generator sort of for the idea were, there were, there were a handful, uh, I, I'm going to say us. So it was myself, uh, another um, individual, her name is Jean-Marie Geese. Dr. Geese is an OBGYN physician uh, practicing at Oregon Health Sciences University. She's also the director, or was at the time, the director of Cochrane U.S. West, a center of mm -hmm. Cochrane, a legacy center of Cochrane when we were in this sort of university-based center through Hopkins. Um, and then uh, a handful of other individuals that had a significant contribution to Cochrane over the years. And we we actually set up, I say we, Jean-Marie, myself, and some internal folks at TCU set up a, a meeting. We got about 55 people in a room. We shut the door and we spent three days hammering out what this looks like. We had the CEO of Cochrane at the time come over from the UK along with some of the folks from, from Cochrane central team, sort of the, the staff, the executive folks. And we figured out what it looked like. We put it together, put a concept note together, um, really brought, <laughs> this was it was an interesting, if you can imagine a room of 40 or 50 really highly accomplished healthcare people, mm -hmm. physicians, researchers, payers, policymakers, the CDC was in the room, AHRQ was in the room, the National Institutes of Health were in the room, and we had to bring to the table, get everyone together to get a, agree on a general concept and idea of moving forward. And, um, and we made that happen. And I'm really excited that I got to be part of that and help lead bringing those those people together. Well, not only were you at the table, you were at the head of the table, right? Which is the best place to be, <laughs> right? Right. And and you know, it didn't it didn't hurt that we hosted it at our university. But mm -hmm. it, when any kind of big project comes together, it's not one person, right? It's sure. it's, it's the group that was there. Well, you brought all the stakeholders in, which yeah. was wise. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, and it and it went really well. Drew, you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind anytime you hear about these types of organizations is where's the financial backing coming from? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, making sure that there is not some sort of conflict of interest. So, right. because I know we're going to get into the study that was done with, with CRNAs versus, you know, other anesthesia providers, but, you know, I kind of want to just clarify, where does the money come from for this organization? Yep. So, um, Cochrane has a really clear conflict of interest policy that is uh, universally accepted that Cochrane does not accept funding from industry. And mm. so the, the funding is typically done through traditional kind of funding opportunities through government foundations, um, but doesn't accept money from, from industry. Mm, um, and so in the U.S., the, the funding, uh, quite honestly, is right now in-kind funding from various institutions. My, for example, my time is um, provided by uh, oh. my salary at TCU as in a faculty kind. member. Yeah. In-kind, yeah. And so we're actually in the process. I can't share all the details because we're in the middle of having those conversations, but we're in the process in the U.S. of, of um, working with a couple different foundations to secure some uh, long-standing funding to, to ensure we have the ongoing support. Cochrane is also, Cochrane Central has also supported our 
local, a, a Cochrane staffer that works here in the U.S. at Tiffany, uh, and and she is our uh, senior officer and staff for Cochrane, and Cochrane provides right now is providing some of her her funding. Now is she at TCU? No, she's actually in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Well. So uh, it it's a really interesting. Bec- I mean, it it sort of it's interesting that all this sort of happened pre-COVID, and COVID proved to us that we can make a network of really incredible people work well together um, and allow that to happen even though we're geographically separated we don't have to sit in the same room it's proven that to a lot of us right for sure True that so Cochrane started in the UK as you talked about when did it start in the UK oh that's a great question I don't remember it's okay. been it's been several decades all right yeah. I knew that it yeah, had been, been around been for around a long time. time and you know what's interesting in in sort of the the day-to-day clinical practice, whether it's in anesthesia in our world or primary care or pediatrics or public health. You remember the old saying, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. <laughs> yes. I, I say that a lot when I discuss and talk about Cochrane. Even if folks don't understand all the intricacies around Cochrane, when someone says, oh, a Cochrane review mm-hmm. showed yep. this or that, um, it, it's, it's almost accepted without question that that evidence is the key that is the, the the best of the best it is done in the most unbiased rigorous way and uh whatever the results of that particular you know that piece it is it is, it is what it is and, and it's it and is accepted it, it universally abs- it, it absolutely is yeah and so uh the fact that we have now that opportunity to to grow that network here in the u.s is is absolutely incredible because uh the expertise that come to the table in our network meetings right now, uh, it's absolutely awe-inspiring. So with the network that's being built here, are there people who actually put together these Cochrane reviews, even in the U.S., whereas they used to all be in the U.K.? That's correct, yes. So Cochrane divides out the review work based Loosely on subject matter area. So, for example, in anesthesia, questions around uh, our perioperative clinical anesthesia questions. There's a review group, a group of individuals that are focused on anesthesia. There's a group focused on uh, maternal health, their pediatric health. And so um, there are the, the great part about the Cochrane network here is we get to loosely be affiliated with each other in the U.S., but each of us have our own individual areas of expertise mm-hmm. and focus. So I, I, you know, obviously being a CRNA, I'm interested in helping produce and disseminate anesthesia. My, my colleague, uh, Jean-Marie, she's an OBGYN physician, so her focus might be on maternal care or um, maternal outcomes, but yet we still come to the table to talk about the overall network and how we bring people together to produce the evidence and 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 make sure that the the public and the i, I call it the three p's the public the payers and the policymakers mm. um understand what what we need to be doing we saw a ton of that during covid you know cochran reviews and the in the mobilization of cochran during covid from an international and then and quite frankly you know very centric u.s centric or uk centric or australia centric or whatever uh, the ability to to bring those folks together, those researchers, to answer really pressing clinical questions in in almost real time, um, was was absolutely incredible, incredible. So, Drew, why did you initially get involved with this? 
Well, initially I got involved with evidence-based practice when I was in doing my DNP work. Okay. And recognizing that, I, I tell this story a lot. I, you know, I have a clinical question. I'm unsure of what the best decision may be for my patient. And I have a little bit of time to go maybe do a, a bit of research, right? So I go to, you know, Google Scholar, PubMed, fill in the blank, just Dr. Google in general. Right. And I see eight or 10 studies that come together or come up on the screen, right? And the first study says I should do intervention A. The second study <laughs> says I should do mm -hmm. intervention B. The third study says maybe it doesn't matter whether you do intervention A or intervention B. The outcome's the same. And I, I, right. I say to myself, well, Which how one? do I know? Which one, right? right. Now, right. some of that is based on our clinical expertise. You can't take away the clinical training and the clinical expertise. Right. But um, when I'm really trying to answer that question, it was frustrating to me that I didn't have a really clear answer. So I realized then that this process of conducting a systematic review where I take all of those studies, one that says this works, one that says this doesn't work, and I put them together in a rigorous way to come up with the answer, mm -hmm. putting yeah. the whole universe of possible answers together, that's what Cochrane does. Mm. That systematic review of taking, whether it's two studies or, or perhaps 200 studies that answered the same question and we get really kind of varying results. Um, I put those together in a way that kind of cleans up the, the not so great studies. You know, we see stuff published that perhaps was not methodologically, scientifically rigorous. We get rid of those and we only bring together the really high quality and decide what is the answer or the set of answers. So that's where I got involved with it, uh, you know, more than a decade ago of trying to figure out how do we, how do we get to that point. It's, it's the next step beyond the production of the simple one study, but let's put multiple together. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. All right, so let's get down to what we really want to talk about. There was a review that talked about the efficiency of physician anesthetist versus nurse anesthetist or anesthesiologist, whatever you want to call them. And I believe it was six studies that they looked at, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what the findings were? Yeah, so I, I want to preface that by saying that wasn't, I was not involved in that, in that work at all. So, you know, we, we all can read the, the, we all can read that together. I mean, it's right. available and freely available. But right. essentially, it, it showed what we, 
we all know and what's been replicated in multiple studies is that the outcomes, our patients receive excellent anesthesia care, Mm -hmm. whether that care is delivered by a physician, anesthesiologist, a CRNA, or a combination of the two together. Our patients get excellent care. And the degree or the preparation leading into the provision of anesthesia care um, doesn't, doesn't impact the outcome to our patients. That was good news to us. And actually, I have to be absolutely transparent here. That's the first time I'd ever heard of Cochrane. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting when I talk to people about their, uh, this sounds kind of cliche, their Cochrane journey. But, you know, <laughs> often, often it's, it's that. It's, you know, maybe it, it, Cochrane really wasn't sort of at the forefront until there was something that, an answer to a clinical question mm-hmm. that was answered by Cochrane. And then all of a sudden folks go, oh my gosh, look at this. And, you know, the outcomes of these reviews um, typically are used to help inform clinical guidelines and, and even standards of care that are put forward by, you know, professional societies or organizations. And so uh, it, it's beyond just, oh, well, this is nice to know at one o'clock in the afternoon when I'm trying to figure out what to do for the next patient. But that really could potentially in, inform the, in, in our world, the anesthesia care for a patient uh, in perpetuum until the, until the evidence changes. Well, the one good thing is you don't have to remember your statistics yourself when you look at studies, you're trying, you know, I want to skip right over all of that part. Right, right. But Cochrane does it for you right. and assesses the rigor right. of all these studies. Yes. And, and then pulls it together in the discussion piece, which you can read at 1.30 in the afternoon you whenever you got a case in 15 minutes. You can. And the, the, the one other piece that Cochrane, I think, is really trying to push is, it, you know, they had a they have a strategy to 2020, and now there's a new strategic plan moving forward. But Cochrane has often been very focused only on the decision makers, meaning the clinicians, the policy makers. Historically, right. the the results of whatever the product is was written in that language. And what I've been really uh, what's excited me is, you know, patients are incredibly informed many of them um, hyper-informed at times about their condition, their health, wh- whatever <laughs> that may be, right? <laughs> good or bad. But, Dr. But, Google. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, good, but good for them, right? Good yeah. for them for taking yeah. some ownership in yeah. their health. And one of, the thing Co- one of the things Cochrane has done of late, and, and I think it's fantastic, are what are called plain language summaries, written for someone who, um, who has the disease, the condition, the problem, the issue, um, but maybe is a quote-unquote layman, highly, highly informed about their condition, but doesn't understand the nuances of the statistics or, or the nuances of the medical jargon. So it's written for the consumer. Because at the end of the day, at the sharp end of the stick of all of this stuff, is there's a, there's a human life. There's a mm. patient there. And, um, and we certainly want to do do no harm to that patient we want to do the best we can and so having that opportunity for it to be disseminated in a way that the patients and decision makers that aren't healthcare research scientists health insurers policy makers it's impactful so drew i want to get back to something you said earlier if if cochran's research is accepted universally mm-hmm. you know it's kind of the gold standard from right. what i'm hearing in, in an environment where we're seeing more demand for surgical procedures, there is pressure to reduce costs in healthcare, then 
why is it that the study hasn't been either used more or accepted more and more CRNAs allowed to work up to their education level and their scope of practice? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a it's a million dollar question. I, I know, I put right? you on the spot right. there. No, right? no, no, but I mean, it, it, so kind of getting away from the Cochrane piece a little bit, but sort of back to this idea of, of why why isn't and why aren't, aren't CRNAs and in some instances able to do so. Right. And it comes down to influence and and uh, and local policy. Hmm. You know, I th- I think it's really important for you know for all of the folks out there listening, whether you're a you're in healthcare or not. You you know you're a patient. It's the first time you've listened to this podcast. You're a patient getting ready to have anesthesia tomorrow, and you're scared to death. And I get it. I get it. Is CRNAs are highly trained, competent, board certified individuals. In the areas where we are asking to do our job, that is exactly the ask. We're asking to do the job for which we received high-quality training. CRNAs are not asking to do things that for which we have not been trained or in which we have not been trained. And I think that conversation it gets skewed a lot by politicians and policymakers, C-suite right. kinds of folks that don't fully understand, oh, my gosh, these, these advanced practice nurses of any flavor could be CRNAs or nurse practitioners, midwives, clinical nurse specialists are wanting to do all of these additional things. No, we're not. It looks like we're wanting to ask for additional things because we have historically been disallowed yes. to do those things. But at the end of the day, we have very clear, very clear scope of practice that is put forth by our professional association, the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology, and various boards of nursing across all 50 states and territories that say what we can and can't do. We're asking to simply do what we were trained to do. Now, to tag on to what Jeremy just asked, how how does a topic review get generated? That's a great question. So, um, typically in Cochrane, each of these review groups, so we talked a little while ago about, you know, a an anesthesia review group, for example, um, that is that's typically led by a, a handful of individuals that are um, a, a clinician and research experts in the field. And obviously, we can't answer the universe of possible questions. So each cycle, there is a very, very established process of prioritizing those topics. And so it's often done in concert with the community at large and an individual. So you could go to any of the Cochrane Review Group website right now, and, and I don't remember the uh, URLs off the top of my head. You can <laughs> Google it. Yeah. And, and actually, there are, there's open forum where you can go in and, and submit, hey, this is something that is really pressing right? And I need the answer to this. And then just like any sort of strategic planning exercise, those individuals in those review groups get together and, you know, culminate that list, review it and, and agree or disagree that these are the, the top five, seven, 10, 28, whatever that number is, the capacity of those individuals to, uh, to produce those reviews. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855 304 
855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Well, you know, I think that's something CRNAs need to know about. I, I, I completely agree. I think there's there's a lot of opportunity. And the systematic review work, I think folks that don't really understand what a systematic review is thinks that just, oh, anyone can go out and do it. What do you do? You do a little bit of a search, you get some studies, you put them together, and it is there is an entire group of people within Cochrane and, and other organizations that are dedicated to this that have doctoral degrees just in the methodology of doing this well. So oh, wow. Can it you is, imagine getting that no, degree? Oh, my no, God. No. And let me say, they are a lot of fun to sit in a room with at a party. No, they're, I mean, they're you know. Not. They're not. <laughs> they're Researchers not. in general, <laughs> but, yeah. It's yeah, like they're... the cyclometrician for MBCRNA. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. How they do the questions oh. and everything. Yeah. Oh, my God. But thank goodness those people exist. Yes. It's not my forte. But... Um, the other piece is Cochrane is international. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting to me as a sort of consumer of Cochrane and someone from the outside that's looked in is some of the topics that I would think, gosh, that doesn't seem relevant at all. I'm seeing through my very U.S. centric first world view right. and vision, where in reality, this is a, a question that has universal <coughs> implications, maybe not as much in the U.S. context, but maybe very much so in a an underdeveloped or low and middle income country healthcare setting. So it's uh, it it really kind of opened your eyes broadly mm -hmm. about about the and it's funny too how similar some of the questions are whether they apply to a low and middle income country or to me in Fort Worth, Texas with seemingly unlimited access to resources for, you know, drugs, devices, equipment. I mean, you, you name it, we can almost get our hands on it here in the U.S. So, um, it, yeah, the, the contrast there, you'd think, oh, there's a big divide, and there really isn't as much. Right. Right. We're more similar than... Boy, we are. ...than we are dissimilar. And I'll just give you uh, uh, an example of how Cochrane worked for me just last week. We have this discussion ongoing about whether you put lidocaine jelly on the end of your endotracheal tube. You know, right. we have a CRNA who I love, uh, Karina Milano, whose mother was a CRNA at where we work at, and she does it all the time. And I used to work with another CRNA 100 years ago who did it, and then it fell out of favor because the literature came out that it was not a good thing. It irritated so uh, the airway. So anyway, <clears throat> to get to the point... Is I looked it up the other day while I was at work, and a Cochrane report come up on it. Actually, there's still no clear answer even to Cochrane. Right. <laughs> but right. at least they had put all the information together. Hmm. So you know what I did all day long? I put lidocaine on my endotracheal tubes just to see. <laughs> see, how, see how things work. You know. But Cochrane popped up on Google yeah. Scholar, and I saw it, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to go straight to that one. And uh, Sharon, you, may, you bring up a good point, and I guess to those folks that are clinicians out there that are listening, is um, you need to look at how, how current, you know, there may right. be a review from 18 years ago that still comes up in a, in a search, right. but, the, but it's, it's outdated because there's been a change in the literature, a change in the science since then. But you can pretty much bank on the fact that if there is a Cochrane publication surrounding the answer to the question you're asking that you are going to get the most 
rigorous information and you can use that to help make the best decision for your for the care you're planning or, or for your patient um, and you're right I mean to have everything kind of in one in one piece is 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 really impressive you know the other thing with Cochrane you talked about getting CRNAs involved I, I would encourage you to go to the Cochrane website there's a lot of opportunities to do micro volunteering work with Cochrane for example um, you are uh, you're a CRNA you're sort of interested in a in a particular question you go and see that there may be a review underway already and they'll put out small tasks through task exchange hmm. and they'll say okay Sharon Pierce if you have 15 minutes of time we'd like you to help us we're going to give you a list of five studies and we'd like you to help us determine is this a randomized control trial or is this not a randomized control trial wow. takes 10-15 minutes of time gets hmm. you kind of in, in you know engaged you're not you know, you're not dedicating the next 10 years of your life to something, um, but there's a there's a lot of opportunity. And our CRNAs that are now going through clinical doctoral programs, DNPs and DNAPs, um, that's the toolbox that we hope to arm our graduates with. The ability to cull the literature, determine what is high quality and what is not, mm -hmm. and be able to then use <coughs> the high quality evidence to impact changing practice or supporting current practice to say, you know what, we are doing a really good job. And so our DNP and DNAP academic preparation aligns perfectly with what the systematic review does. Because basically the steps are this. I ask a question, I don't have a clear answer. I design a really good search to go out and find the studies that mm -hmm. answer my question. Once I get those studies, I then go study by study to determine, is this a high quality study? Cochrane looks at it through something called risk of bias. There's always some bias in literature, right. but how do we ensure that we are having the least biased information to make our clinical decision? Then we take all of them and put them together. Sometimes there's some statistics involved, sometimes not. And we come up with the answer or the group or the set of answers. And so if you think about what we learn as DNP or DNAP in our academic world, that, that's essentially what we're asking our folks to do. Identify a problem, find the literature to support or refute something to do to address that problem. Now, don't change if there's a whole bunch of really crappy research out there because that research may not really reflect what the outcome is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so anyway, the, the, the opportunity for our nurse anesthetists, our CRNAs in the U.S. context to get involved and be really leading a lot of those teams is um, the sky's the limit. It's well, wide Drew, open. Drew, it's kind of, you kind of led into what I was going to ask you, but you know, why is it why is it important to have CRNA influence in this? Sure. You know, it, it's, um, I mean, it kind of, Sharon said this many years as, as we've been colleagues and, and you know, we hear this a lot if you're not, if you're not at the, if you're not at the you're table, going. right? You're not, <laughs> you're on the, on the menu. menu. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, it, it's important because at the end of the day, we need to ensure we are taking the best care possible of our patients. Right. And, we need to be, as a profession, as individuals, contributing to the science that underpins the decisions we make about 
interventions for our patients about the best way to optimize care, to, as the best way to reduce cost, review, reduce waste, all of the things that are the buzzwords. And man, if COVID has done anything, it has shown us that we have to be nimble and responsive quickly. It's important because uh, historically, right or wrong, uh, the people that are turned to to be asking the question of what is the science underpinning this anesthetic decision has not always been, in fact, has rarely been the CRNA. Right. And so, Jeremy, it's important because we need the CRNAs. We need the CRNAs to also be part of, of the answer. Right. Um, and, and we have physician colleagues uh, we, that are, they're brilliant at, and they're amazing at producing the science, but we also need, need to do the same. Right. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great way to kind of bring this to a conclusion is to, to leave it with that for sure. Well, one last thought well, I have Well, maybe on I this. don't. One maybe last we're not thought. concluding yet, Drew. I'm you sorry. You know, <laughs> we're, we're glad that Drew is the only CRNA and really the only nurse involved in leadership in Cochrane. But I'm hearing you say, since we're trending towards the DMP and there's these opportunities for micro-volunteerism, has that been pushed out to all of the programs so that they can let students know? My, my guess is no. Uh, in, in fact, it's not my guess. I, it, no, it's not. Um, and it's unfortunate that we don't have more of an opportunity for CRNA involvement in Cochrane. I think, I think it's coming. I think it's getting there. And this is, it, look, it's not for everyone, right? There, this, right. Is not, this is not for, you know, everybody is, is going to be gung-ho. And next thing we know, we have no. 60,000 individuals. But there, there's definitely an opportunity for more CRNA involvement, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. we don't do this alone. Systematic reviews, right. this Cochrane work is not done in isolation. This is a tremendous opportunity for us to partner with each other, for us to partner with other scientists in the world of, right. of anesthesia, uh, with our, partner with our physician colleagues to produce really good, high-quality evidence. Because at the end of the day, we need it. It doesn't matter who, who asked the question or who did all the all the um, the legwork, we, we need information to take good care of our patients. Right. And right now, I mean, you're the only CRNA <clears throat> involved. So if we could double that or triple that, that'd be great, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, Sharon, is it okay if I conclude now? <laughs> it's okay. I'll let okay. you do it now. All right. Okay. You love all it right. when women <laughs> abuse you, though. I know that. <laughs> All right, Drew, as we wrap up, anything you want to kind of conclude on, get across to our listeners here today that you haven't already discussed? I I think taking it outside of Cochrane and just uh, for CRNAs in particular, um, think outside the box. There are ways for us to be at the table, part of the conversation that don't look always sort of traditional, Mm. uh, that you know, well, I'm, I'm not in leadership in my department or in my whatever. Um, how do I have a voice? You, you find a way to have that voice. And maybe it's, it's not uniquely focused purely on just anesthesia and CRNA care, but really right. kind of think, think more broadly um, because there's, there's, term- there's CRNAs out there doing amazing things. We need to talk Absolutely. about it more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we get to interview a lot of them like you, Drew. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you for all you're doing for the CRNA community. Thank you for being with us today. I know you're a busy guy, but taking time out to do this, we really appreciate it. And Sharon, I'm going to say it's a wrap. I'll let you say it now. All right. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. There you go. You didn't forget it, did I you? I know. I know my name now. <laughs> if you like our show and want to help us grow, Sharon, how can they help us grow? Well, the best way to help us grow is to leave us a review, but only if it is positive. There's enough negativity in this Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Share us on social media. Tell all your friends and come join us and sit down and listen for a while. There you go. We're in the top 50 medical, medical podcasts, podcasts and we're going to number one that's right we're going to break a million downloads I this year no you know? i that's know crazy. our first million our first million there you, <laughs> go. you know they say after you get to a million it just gets a whole lot easier after that well you are the money guy that's right i'm counting that's on what you I hear. for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> all right until next time it's a wrap Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, 
fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.